The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising, and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word, that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out, and behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them, until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That's a big camel. <laughs> I feel like I should ride him. <laughs> One of the uh, things that we love to do is to look up at the stars at night. There's something wonderful, really, about getting away from the city lights and finding ourselves out in the Palouse somewhere or out at sea or someplace where we're far away from the light pollution that we create as human beings and being able to see, as our ancestors did, the panoply of light in the night sky. You know, it's just so beautiful. It takes our breath away. It is more than we could ever, ever have hoped for, to live in a universe so beautiful beyond words. And it's not just the beauty that touches us when we see the night sky with the millions and billions of little stars shimmering up above us. 
It's also a sense that this universe is something that we can see deeply into at night. You can almost see forever and beyond when we look up into the night sky to the edge of the universe. It's so wonderful. But even that isn't the whole story of why we're so awestruck by the night sky. When we see those stars, it's almost as if it's almost as if they're speaking to us or calling to us or singing out to us to come to them, to come and to see beyond our world here, to see beyond the sky, to see beyond the beyond, to that place that is no place, that place which is just grace. That's what we feel when we look up at the star of night, the star of night, and that's why we love them so, love to look at them on the night sky. It is under starry night skies that we human beings do our best storytelling. Once upon a time in a land far, far away, there were two wise men and one wise woman. I'll change it up a little bit. <laughs> Just because I can. <laughs> And the first wise man in that faraway land was an astronomer. And he had beautiful tools by which he measured the night sky. He loved to look up at the night sky and see how the stars and the planets were moving in their celestial realms and calculating winter and summer and solstices and all of that sort of thing. It's a wonderful thing. He loved being an astronomer. He was a wise man. And the second wise man in that far, far away land was, was a philosopher, and he loved to look up at the night sky and ask the big questions, to wonder the big thoughts, where we come from and where are we going, and what is our relationship to the rest of this universe of which we are such a small part. He too was a wise man in that far away land. And the wise woman, she was, she was a poet. She was one who, who looked for just the right combination of words to describe the beauty of the night sky that she too loved to look up into on a night. The three of them, the three of them gathered together often to chat and talk about what they see, what they felt, what they learn from the stars above their heads. And one such night they were out there on their rooftops, maybe with a little, I don't know, a little sherry or something, who knows. And they're up there on their rooftop and they're having a beautiful discussion about the science of the stars and the philosophy of the stars and the poetry of the stars. And suddenly they see something they've never seen before in the night sky. There's one star that suddenly grows large. And it turns kind of a red color and it begins to pulse and to pulse and to pulse. Almost like a heart in that night sky. And of course they cannot help but wonder what is going on here. If they were scientists in our age, they would say, well, of course, that's easy to figure out. It's two twin planets that are colliding and forming a red nova. See, I know things. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, maybe it's better that they just saw it as a miracle in the night sky. A star that was in its pulsing, beckoning to them, calling to them. 
Letting them know that there is a heart in the heart of this universe. That it's not cold out there and empty and most of all not meaningless. Well, of course, the astrologer wants to measure. The philosopher wants to ask the big questions. And the poet, she wants to just celebrate in words this mysterious and beautiful thing. And they begin to ask themselves, what's going on here with this pulsing star that we're beholding in wonder and awe? It's almost as if it is calling to us, singing to us, beckoning us to something greater than ourselves, to know something deeper about this universe than we've ever even thought about asking. It's as if this star, in its pulsing, heart-like manner, is inviting us to come and to go, to come and go at the same time. But we haven't invented starships yet, so we really can't go. And so, let us listen more carefully. Let us measure, ask more deeply. Let us let it sing to us of where it wants us to go, where it wants us to come. And so they spend the night looking and analyzing and figuring. And finally, the wise woman, the poet, she says, we've figured enough, we've analyzed enough. It wants us to go west. And the other two say, well, how do you know that? I'm a poet. <laughs> it's always go west, young men. I just made that up. <laughs> so off they go, and they gather their jewels, and they gather their gold, for they are very wealthy people in this beautiful land far, far away. And they put on their best turbans and their beautiful silk robes, and they gather their camels, and they head west, as the star has told them, the pulsing star, the heart of the universe. And they travel, and at first people are in awe of them, because who's ever seen such riches and such wealth and such beautiful robes and such elegant turbans? And so they bow down before them as they travel and they kind of like the honor that they are receiving as they travel west from their own land to new lands. But as they travel, it's expensive to travel. You know, they now charge for putting your luggage up in the rack. You know, it's not so easy. <laughs> and so little by little, as they pay their way, their money runs out, their gold coins disappear. And they're left with nothing except their turbans and their beautiful robes. And eventually they have to sell those as well. And finally going through a desert, the camels become lame. And they have to leave them behind and they are left walking. And as they become poorer and poorer and ever more poor along their way, they discover that the people around them are no longer bowing down before them. They're no longer saying, oh, how wonderful you guests are. How wonderful it is to see people who are so wealthy and so powerful and so mighty and so wise and so good. Instead, instead, the people are inviting them into their homes. Oh, look at you poor people, you travelers from the east. You must be hungry by now. Come, have a meal. 
And they would say, well, we don't have anything to pay you with that. No problem. No problem. Just come in and eat. We'll share with you whatever we have. And as they traveled and became ever more strangers in strange lands and ever more humbled by their poverty and ever more afflicted by their lack of being able to take care of themselves, they discovered that the poorer people were around them, the more generous they were. And that was a great lesson. And as they spent time with these people in their homes, one country after another after another, they discovered that in the stories of their life that they shared with them over the table, there were joys, there were sorrows, but there was always love. They were impressed by how they cared for one another, by how they listened to one another, by how they protected one another. This is something they had never seen before, never learned before in all their wise ways. So busy looking at the beautiful stars of night, they had to come late to learn how beautiful are the stars of earth below. Anyway, so they travel on. And as they become poor, they become lighter and they become freer, and their eyes are opened more and more to love, the mystery of love in this world, and the people they met along the way. And finally, 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 after many years, they have nothing left. They come to the West, and God calls them. <laughs> no. They come to the West, and they find themselves in the poorest home of all, not even a home, a stable. And because they are poor themselves now, there's no room for them in any inns, and so they make their way to the one place where there is still room, a stable inhabited by a newborn baby, a mother and a father, a few sheep. And there they realize, they realize that in the love they see that this mother has for her baby, in the extraordinary respect and care that the husband has for his wife, in the innocence, in the tenderness, in the miracle of new life that is held within that child, they are seeing all the lessons they learned along the way about love, and about truth, and about light, and about life, concentrated and made perfect in this child of light and love. And they realize as they hold that child to keep him warm, that they are seeing and holding and loving that heart they saw beating in the night sky that called them to this place. They are filled with wonder. They no longer have to measure stars or love. It's just there. The big questions of where we've come from and where we're going and what we're doing here on this earth are answered for them. 
And maybe most of all, the poet finds that one word she needs to express the beauty of life and the universe in the word made flesh. So they spend some time there and then pour with empty hands but with hearts full of life and wonder and joy. They head back to their land humming a funny little tune. La 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 You're supposed to applaud. No, no. <laughs>